0: Welcome to the Art and Business of Music podcast hosted by me, Jimmy Davis, a.k.a. Tapes, where we dig deep into just what it means to be a creative and a professional in the industry of music. In this episode, I'm joined by London-based female MC Stush. Considered the first lady of British dancehall, Stush combines elements of grime and hip-hop alongside a distinct vocal technique to create a sound unlike any other. A Brit School graduate, she got her first taste of the limelight when she recorded classic UKG anthem Dollar Sign with producer Sticky. Stush went on to sign an album deal with Go Beat before joining the artist roster at Island Records. She collaborated with Groove Armada on top 10 hit Get Down, which resulted in her touring the world with the group and playing some huge shows. Enjoy the episode. Stush, how you doing? Welcome to the show, man.
1: Well, hello, Jimmy. Marvellous intro, thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely. All right, then. Well, let's just dive straight in, Stush, right? So. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to know, what's your first memory of emceeing? Like, what was the first thing you ever did that made you think, you know what, this is me and I want to do this?
1: So, I mean, growing up, I was listening to so much dance all in reggae. I listened to like Budra Banton had an album out when I was like in primary school and it was called Mr. Mention. And it had like every song I used to listen to from beginning to end, because I used to live in Thornton Heath, but I went to school in Hammersmith. So that journey was long. So the tape literally would flip over the Memorex cassette. Yes, it used to flip over. I know all of the lyrics on the other side. So I used to try and emulate Budja Banton a lot, but obviously my voice isn't that deep. In my head though, I thought I sounded like Buju. So then in about 97, an artist dropped an album and it was Tanya Stevens. And she was like a huge female dancehall artist. And I was like, wow, but I'd never heard someone in dancehall, especially a female, be so lyrical. And so I was like, yeah, I can do this. This is who I needed to hear. So when I heard Tanya Stevens, it's like, then I started listening a lot to her, trying to sound like her, just trying to find my style. And then I used to write little songs, like take their songs and try and write it in my own way. And then, um, yeah, I was at, I was doing that for a little while, went to the Brit school and it's when my teacher heard me just messing around doing Beanie Man lyrics. And he was like, "Like who are you? Like what, how long have you been doing this? And I was just like, um, doing what? And then, from there is when I was like, yeah, this is this is what it's about. I know I can do this. So that was like my first kind of inkling to like, yeah, I've got something here.
0: So Dancehall was clearly a big influence on you. percent But was hip hop as well? And sort yeah. of the, you know, the later incarnation of Garage and Yeah, UKG. so
1: hip hop more than anything. Like, it's weird. Like, everyone just used to think I'm straight from Jamaica. And in a way, it's like I kind of was because ukg hit me late even okay. when i'd done dollar sign i was still learning about ukg i was like what what is this like what, what is this sound and a lot of people in dance always thinking the same thing because it's so fast and stuff like that but obviously being in the uk i've got all of those other influences and drum and bass and jungle that mm. i'm pulling from as well but um yeah hip-hop loved it i remember Normski, death 2 i used to watch that on bbc 2 when i was a kid and like me and my brother used to be like yo like what is this and i remember seeing ice cube and Ice tea i was like all right this is <laughs> so all of these things that i always say to people is like i used to watch top of the pops so i'm watching wham and i'm like yeah george michael do you know what i mean last christmas and stuff like that and then i'm bringing in norm ski with the hip hop stuff but then my underlying foundation is reggae and dancehall so that's where everything kind of just got pulled in and comes out in my stush style i suppose
0: okay so many different influences going oh, yeah. into the melting pot yeah what was the british dancehall landscape like at that time were you looking at any artists thinking yeah they're doing something over here that i could emulate or was it definitely glamour yeah. kid Okay. Glamour Kid
1: had Moschino out in the early 90s, and we were just like, yo, this guy's hard. Like, Glamour Kid was sick. Um, So I was listening to Glamour as well. Who else was there? General Levy. I had um, quite a few of his vinyls. A lot of the influences that I had from the UK was Jungle. My brother would just buy out all of these Jungle vinyl and I'll just be sitting there listening to, to that. But I'd hear a lot of stuff that was already in Dancehall on Jungle. jungle so sam- I already yeah. knew these songs.
0: It sampled Dancehall so much exactly. in that culture, yeah.
1: Exactly, so... Were
0: were there any MCs in the bass jungle landscape that you were thinking, yeah man, I like like their style or anyone that you kind of I'm not gonna
1: remember their names, but my brother used to listen to Brocky and Det, so I would always hear those influences a lot. And um, oh what's my friend called? What's my boy? The really fast spitter, he's gonna kill me for not remembering his name.
0: Um, oh. Like like old school MC, like Skibber? Or, Skibber. Yeah, Skibber yeah. Okay.
1: And then Skibber, so yeah.
0: Oh, That's wow. That's what I was hearing. So, let me get this right. You're, you're a Brit school graduate, Stush, yeah?
1: Yeah, I am.
0: Okay. <laughs> what what was that experience like being at, the, at that institution and did it play a big part in sort of moulding and shaping you as an artist?
1: Yeah, Brit was amazing. I mean, just the facilities that we were able to use, I mean... That really helped because I wasn't even in music at Brit. My strand was dance. That's what my, my yeah, that's what I specialized in. Um, But by the end of coming out of Brit, after my teacher heard me, he was from media. So Mr. Preston, he, he was like, I'm gonna show you how to use the radio suite and I'm gonna show you how to mix tunes. So then that's how I learned how to be able to control the mixing desk for radio. I was producing a reggae show every year cause Brit would have their own Brit FM radio station. So I would come back every year and then I'd show some of the students what to do and we would drive shows together. So yeah, that was like really good for me to do. I would go up there and I'd just record myself, put on the instrumental, record. So that was helping me hear myself back and oh, I can improve here. I can improve here. So yeah, Brit was amazing, man. I really love Brit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's so interesting, right? Because this has come up before in in other episodes that we've done. Mm -hmm. This idea that, Teachers can have such an impact mm. on young people sometimes without even knowing it. Yeah, by just spotting something in them, giving them an opportunity and a platform. Yeah, do you, do you would you agree? Do you think that's oh, a really important part? Oh, one
1: hundred percent. Because like I said, I didn't even know I was that good. Like this teacher's walked past who loves, loves Budger just by coincidence. <laughs> I think he played, did he play saxophone on his Till Shiloh album? So Mr. Preston had quite a connection. Wow. Yeah, it's like he'd interviewed Shabba Ranks, like he, so he's heard me and he's just gone, yo, like, come, I need to, I need to help you. and. I was in dance at the time. So really and truthfully, that connection shouldn't have even happened. But because he showed that interest and was like, look, you're really good, you need to work on this. I may, I may not have even ever thought that it was possible for me to do that. So yeah, teachers influence means a lot. Even in my, um, my secondary school, I had teachers that would be like, Jules, you're a star. Never, never stop doing what you're doing, just be you. And so just building that confidence in a student and a young person, it means a lot because, you know, you just think, well, ah, I don't know. But at that time, especially from the background I'm from, you're not really pushed into doing music. People, your parents usually will say, go and get a proper job. They wanted me to be a science teacher. I was amazing at science. Okay. So they were like, go and like, deal with maths and science. Go and teach that. And the teachers were always pushing for that. Like she should do science. She had brain with science is just amazing. But I loved science, but it's not my passion. Performing was my passion.
0: So you've got quite an academic brain then by the sounds of it. You, you kind Ish, of excelled yeah. in those in, yeah, areas. Uh, yeah, wow. I
1: excelled in um, yeah, academia for sure. Okay. Maths, like my mum was a managing um, accountant and stuff. So numbers, I used to be, you don't know that? Do it again. So numbers were just like, ah, uh, all the time, whizzing around in my head. Yeah, science, f- formulas, all of that stuff. I love all of that technical kind of.
0: Okay. Do you feel that that, does that kind of play out in your creativity in some way, shape or form in terms of like loving, digging deep into being meticulous with things and piecing things together and working things out?
1: Oh my gosh, Jimmy, to my detriment sometimes. <laughs> yeah, If I get stuck on a line and I can't... Um, I know that there's a word that can fit, but it has to be the right syllables. I will not sacrifice the flow for the lyric. Mm. I will not. If the flow's already sorted and it has to be two syllables, that word has to be two syllables. So I will sit there until I'll keep on trying to feel it out, feel it out. Sometimes I've left stuff for months. (laughs) Months. (laughs) And I had to go back. And it's like, come on. Like A couple of my mentors were like, Stush, you're... You're killing yourself doing that, stop it, move on. And so that's what I teach the students now. If you get stuck, move on because it just drains your creativity. But that okay. is something um, I'm, uh, <laughs> I have been known to do, just sit there for hours. Now I have to get this word, I have to get this word. But, okay. but yeah, And I, sometimes I have to, I'll do a lyric. And it may be way too intricate. It would just fly over your head. And it may be something scientific that I'm saying, and I'll show it to someone that likes Stush now. that (laughs) no one, (laughs) there's like 5% of people that's gonna understand that, take it out. And I've had to take out stuff from a lot of my songs, but yeah. I like doing that stuff. I was a nipper, been to a lot of crochets, no clipper. Still not jump on the pool, no stripper. No. Me take the lead, then I follow like Twitter. Not want to run up my mouth and bigger. Well a from but my bloodline ticker. Your not choose big, but have I feel bigger. Met them all a few reconsider hard. Yeah. Call me like social media. They say me too, social media. Me sweet like push amida. So me tell a man social amida. Come to pan repeats, I mean that respect on the street, I mean that. Punk, I can never be that. You know if me there snush me I eat Them yell there, I'm not following
0: i'm so pleased you brought this up it leads brilliantly onto the next point right so it sounds like you have a very technical approach to to the creative process Mm -hmm. what i've also noticed about you stush is that your style of delivery is so unique and distinctive Mm -hmm. like insert in like those high-pitched sounds Mm -hmm. in places and it's you know it's it's very unique to you. It's, it, I, I guess it's part of your brand, isn't it? Yes. People, it's instantly recognisable. 100%. How did that come about? Like, is it something that you developed? Is it something that you stumbled across? Is it something that you were experimenting and it came up?
1: So my voice naturally will go high. If I get excited, I'll be like, I'm <laughs> and it'll just go off. And um, I'll sneeze and it'll be like, Chew! and it will just come out like that. But I was, li- like I said at the time, I was listening to a lot of Beanie Man at one point. And I, can't, I think he was doing stuff like die, die in oh, his stuff. Yes. Yeah. And so I was literally learning everyone's lyrics. There's certain CDs where I'll be able to tell you the entire like, list of the seed that, what order the songs are in, at what minute he said this. Like I literally, that's how I was going in on music. And then I was just incorporating my own styles and this little deal just kept coming out. And I was just like, oh, okay. It's just natural to me. So because even when I'm in studio, some producers will say, you know, that high pitch thing. Yeah, that you do. Put it on. Put it on that word. And I'm like, no, it doesn't work on that word. It's not natural. There's only specific places that I can dot it into and it will just come out naturally. But they want it all over the place. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, you just It's no. You just can't do that. But yeah, that just came about naturally. And then it just ended up becoming my trademark.
0: That was the word I was looking for, trademark. And it certainly is that, is it something that you do when you perform live as well? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because I think people think I insert it, like you were saying, it sounds like like when I'm, it's none of them are punched in. Wow. They're always like fresh. They all, like when I'm in studio recording a new track, that comes out like it's a fresh one. There's, they're not pulled from anywhere and put in. <laughs> Some people are like, like, yeah, you know, how you're gonna put that on the backing track? And I'm like, why? I do it live.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. It sounds, you know, more like you were kind of drawing influences from lots of different places. Mm. But because you mentioned General Levy earlier, mm. obviously that he did a. A slightly similar thing, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, particularly on incredible He calls it which a
1: hiccup, the... yeah, an incredible that, that's yeah. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were yeah. joking about it a few years back. He was like, Stush man, you try teeth my style and <laughs> I was like, Well actually <laughs> I said, well, actually, you're more of a hiccup and I'm more like a sneeze, darling. <laughs> so, like, if we're going to differentiate. And he was like, he was like, actually, uh, you're right. And I goes, yeah, because mine passes the larynx perfectly. There's no pressure on the vocal cords, but yours is more of a hiccup that comes from the
0: throat. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you distinguished it so yes, eloquently. Yes. Brilliant, man. So, all right. So, moving on from. Being at Brit School, mm-hmm. finding your sound, developing your style, really immersing yourself in that world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was, as you mentioned earlier, it was the dollar sign track that kind of put you on the map. Yeah. yeah. People yeah. really got to know about you from that track. How did that come about with Sticky, the collaboration?
1: Um, so just kind of being in the right place at the right time. So um, Sticky was part of a group called Ill Kids who are like big in, in the South London area at the time. And my brother was friends with, with them. So Sticky's brother used to be at my house all the time just jamming with my brother. So one day um, he's come over and said, oh, my brother's looking for like a 19-year-old girl who like spits. And I was like, that's me.
0: <laughs> I'm 19.
1: <laughs> like, and that is literally how it came about. No way. That is literally. I I had probably one or two songs recorded at the time. I'd done a cover of there was a guy called Lexus in dancehall, and he had a song called Cook, and because I was really drawn to that deep kind of sounding. Um, voice, I like that vocal in dancehall and his voice was like, Well you better can cook and in my head I was like, Yeah, that's what I'm doing. And then (laughs) I called my one clean and I was like, Well you better can clean Think you are just funny green. And then I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I done I rewrote the whole song and it done like a female counteraction and that's what Sticky heard and was like, Yeah, her, let's
0: go. Okay. And yeah. So even though it was kind of inadvertent through that connection with your brother, mm-hmm. there's something in there for me about network. 100%.
1: Do you get what I'm saying? And how mm. important
0: that is. Yeah. Has that been like a staple throughout your career? Your your network being something that's an- enabled you to tap into lots of opportunities? Yeah, and, and
1: especially going to Brit school, um, like the year that I was there, I mean, I had Ace and Viz in the year above me and oh, then wow. One Extra happened. And so okay. they, were done, they were on like um, Channel U, the Ill Out show. Then they went to One Extra. My other friend, Janine, who was in my year, she's like one of the top producers at, at One Extra now. She's been there from the very start. Okay. So I can call on them or talk to them and be like, yo, what's going on? Need help with this or just want to pick your brain. Um, so, yeah, and we kind of all just liaise or use each other like that. Just phone up, yes, yeah, um, do you know anyone who can or can you do this? And just kind of pulling on the people around you is really important. Tap yeah. Tap into that network. Tap into the network.
0: What was Sticky like to work with?
1: We got on like a house on fire, actually. I remember doing Dollar Sign because Sticky's got quite a, he's got quite a, um, what can I say? an interesting brain. Like, so both of us kind of had that, it was just like, yeah, this is the jigsaw piece fitting the puzzle, basically. So I would just go there and say, sticks, this. And then he'll be like, yeah, so what about this? And I'll be like, yeah, that's the, f-. and we'll just, uh, we'll be laughing for hours. And then it was just nice. It was, it was good chemistry in the studio when we was doing dollar sign, we always laugh. We recorded that in the back of Jason K's kitchen. Do you know what i mean no
0: way yeah jason South-ca- jason, South-ca- jason k like legendary old school rave yeah top buzz yes uh you know ukg dj and producer yeah uh, wow in his kitchen
1: yeah that's that's, that's insane yeah in the back of his kitchen and sticky is so meticulous with um vocals like he showed me how to like vocally produce myself okay. and that and my clarity has improved over the years because I would say like, when I'm spitting at such a fast pace, when I first done Dollar Sign, not a lot of people understood what I was saying. It was about getting used to the sound of my voice and oh, she's doing this yard style, like right at such a speed. This is, that it took a lot for people to understand and you've got all these high pitch things going on. So my clarity, even when I listen back to certain bits of Dollar Sign, I, I'm like, oh, I couldn't say that word properly, but, he we would do things like if I was recording with him, he might make me do line by line sometimes. Okay. And I used to get so annoyed, like, <laughs> oh, God, like, you're killing my vibe. But it actually, it it taught me how to be able to keep my vibe going in studio because it's hard when someone stops you when you're in the middle of flowing and you're in that vibe. To be able to go back to that same vibe to make the song sound consistent, it's, it's quite difficult to do that so you always have to kind of be switched on to do that but that helped a lot knowing how to do line by line or getting certain words out or okay you may have to cheat some words sometimes and I suppose that's cadence because mm. the way you have to bend a word and in dance or you get that a lot they might not say things the way that it should be said but you understand what they're saying.
0: to make it fit, stretch yeah. the word. Like you yeah. say, cadence, inflections. Yeah. And what, what you're touching on there for me as well, it really speaks to me about collaboration and the magic in that mm. when you get two people in the studio, oh or more gosh. than two, yeah. and just bouncing off each other. I think there's something to be said about that, isn't it? Because music, it can be a really lonely world, can't it? When you're oh a solo God. artist. Yeah,
1: and, so, and it's good to have another ear. Sometimes you may think something sounds amazing, and it could do, and it might not. And sometimes you need someone to go, I really like it when you do that. You need to focus on doing that as opposed to doing this other thing that isn't really working for you. So being, just working by yourself all the time it isn't good. You need to have another another ear until you get to a point where you know for yourself. Mm. But when I was first coming through, it's like, like I said, my, my voice is on, uh, I've got so many different, layers or octaves to it i could really be up there at the top end and be screeching and not realize so for someone to say actually stush budjabandon voice or bounty killer voice is what um (laughs) sticky used to say to me i'm like oh okay so sometimes i'll be in studio and i'll be looking down because that's how i can get my little voice (laughs) so (laughs) taking up the stance (laughs) yeah i change change my body or whatever because yeah you have to you have to be aware that sometimes it might not be so nice on the ears when you're doing certain voices or whatever. So yeah, it's really, I think it's important to collaborate, definitely.
0: All right, so that track kind of blew up, mm-hmm. Dollar Sign, mm-hmm. and he's now regarded as a classic track from that era. Yeah. So tell us what happens next from there. Oh God, so what happens next? I'm thrown into a bidding war between
1: labels. It's so funny, I was telling someone the other day, there was literally people going into labels, faking being my manager. Yeah, 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 she's my artist. Come, let's sign, let's sign. Okay, can you bring Stush in? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so it was literally every single label i think i had an offer from at the time wow and it was funny because Did you have a manager at that point i had a manager okay. so you had people pretending to be my manager and i've got a manager wow trying to cut cut deals and stuff it was crazy it was crazy um and it was just about sitting down and saying okay this is what don't get swayed by the money because I was getting offered loads at that time and for a kid you're thinking what I've never seen more than 10 pound in my account (laughs) what you're offering me that yeah so it was just about just staying um, humble and staying grounded and being like okay I like this label because they've worked with these type of artists and they're not scared to work with something new or I don't want to work with them because they're going to try and change me. So I literally just whittled it down like that. And I went with, um, I ended up going with Gobi with Ferdy from Gobi because Ferdy was the one person who, he came to a few of my shows in some of the most gangster areas <coughs> to watch me perform, where it was like stuff was popping off and all sorts. And Ferdy was the one person that I connected with. And he sat me down and he said, Stush, never change. I signed you for being yourself. Continue to be yourself, basically. And um, he goes, never change your style. I signed you for being raw. And that just stuck with me. And I was like, yeah, that's who I want to go with, you know?
0: So from there, signing with Gobi, what was the plan? Were, you, were they sort of asking you to work on an album, a project? a and, Six and were album they deal. A six album deal? I was signed wow. on a
1: six album deal. Wow. Dollar Sign wasn't even one of the singles. Dollar Sign was an album track. Yeah, that wow. never ever got released um, properly. That was only test press. And it sold out in like a day. I remember when the vinyls came out, and I tried to buy one. They were like, "No, no, you can't buy your own song. We just need you to do the autographs on the vinyl." I was like, "But look, someone stole my 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 vinyl. I had a show at Stratford Rex. Like, I need to replace the vinyl." No, 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 no. This is this is held for DJs. You can't have you wow. can't have it. So I don't even have a, a copy of my own track. Um, But yeah, what was we saying?
0: So so you were signed to a six album deal? Yeah, six album deal. And were you working on a project?
1: I was working on an album. Okay. And that's when things started getting a bit messy. Um, Working on an album and I don't know, I think the pressure maybe got to people. It was the first time that they were in such a big situation. So I would go down to studio and I'd wait and I'd wait and I'd wait and nothing would get done. And so that got really frustrating. And then by by the end of it, it's like the money had been spent. My production fees had been spent and there was no album. Wow. So I was stuck in a situation where like, and at this point, Island Records had taken over Go Beat. And I was one of the only artists that were carried over to Island. But being with an A&R who never signed you, it's not the best situation to be in. So, and then it, you, you're getting told by your lawyers, stay, stay in the situation because it's, it's beneficial being a signed artist. But I'm like, yeah, but this is killing me. I'm not, able to, I'm not able to work, I'm not able to do anything. Then you've got the label saying, no, she's too expensive to drop. Because me and Dizzy were two of the highest paid black artists that got signed at that time. So I wasn't able to get off the label. I was stuck basically. Wow.
0: So, so did that whole episode just kind of really creatively stifle you?
1: Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. So you were
0: unable to really work anything. on anything and release anything. That's it. Wow. And how long did that r- rumble on for? Twelve years. You're joking. I got
1: out in 2014. I literally had to walk away from my management, just everything. It just got it just got too much because you start to second guess yourself because, and. Uh, it's like something I was saying on a panel the other day, it's like being a young black female in the industry you speak up and it's like you're meant to know your place or you're, you've got attitude, you're not meant to say question certain things and I used to sit there think am I going mad is, is this only happening to me like I need to be out of this situation why am I being told to stay in a situation like I'm, I'm drained like it, this is toxic to me and I need to get out of this situation but you start to question things and ask things and you just feel like, oh my gosh, you you can't turn to anyone. So it was way too long for me to be stuck in that situation. But you know, you got you got you got outside factors, you got other things that you got people that are benefiting from you staying in mm. a deal.
0: So was anybody from the label, from Ireland, when they took over Beat coming to you with any kind of proposal, plan, like, no. this is what we're gonna do? No. Not to me at all. I mean, I just, it's so baffling and confusing because you just think to yourself, well, surely they're shooting themselves in the foot by having such an incredible artist on their roster that they're not willing to do anything with, that has lots of potential. That makes no sense.
1: Like, I, it got to the point where I left and I went to America. I just got up like my lawyer was like look I've got links I've got links with Clef, I've got links with these people go and I went I went to New York little 22 year old got to New York they thought I was like 12 because I look so young (laughs) they were like are you sure you're allowed out like your parents let you out and I'm like I'm 22 (laughs) like they were like but you're so small like but um, I met Clef and he wanted to work with me but things never ended up come into fruition so I met quite a few people out there I got some work done with a an amazing producer and he's blown up over the years um Shay Taylor I heard oh, he's done a yeah. lot of work with Beyonce and stuff mm. now but he was like one of the first people that I got to actually work with and he was like he couldn't understand he was like but Stush you're really good like you're amazing I don't get it like what is going on I met people from Def Jam in um America because it's like I was signed on a worldwide deal. So my label over there would have been Def Jam. And they were like, you the truth, man. <laughs> you're <laughs> amazing. Like people couldn't understand like what is going on? Why are they not trying to get you out of this situation? But like I said, when you got signed by one A&R and mm. that A&R leaves and you're kind of dumped on the lap of someone else, you're not really who they Signed, mm. so they might not. They may not have that passion mm. for your for what they're you're not doing. In, they're not
0: invested. They're not, not invested they in. They it. don't have a vested interest because, like you say, if, if they didn't bring you on board, they don't have anything to. Prove I didn't even that. get to
1: meet my new A and R. Wow. What
0: well, and what were your management saying to you at this point? Now you know, this for,
1: is the thing. Like I don't really want to. Yeah, go I mean, into too much, but it's like you, yeah. yeah, they were kind of on the same s- side of staying the deal was better to be signed.
0: Okay. Which okay. back
1: then. It kind of was, you could go anywhere and go, yeah, I'm signed to Island Records, but what does it mean? You're not putting out anything.
0: Mm, Yeah.
1: And that's why the Groove Armada situation really helped. But that was actually a song that I wrote for my own album. That's why Ferdy signed me. I'd been sitting on that song for 10 years. Ferdy was like, I told you it was a hit. I told you that was your top 10 hit. Like, that's why I signed you because I knew you had hits sitting there.
0: So it's crazy. So, well, I'm glad you brought that up, right? Let, let's talk about that then, the collaboration with Groove Armada. Mm-hmm. How did it come about? How did you meet those guys? <laughs> and what was the process of, of you eventually sort of putting your song mm-hmm. by, by the sounds of it yeah. to what they were producing? Or?
1: So that was just funny. Like I, I was now just working a part-time job and then I got a phone call one day from, I think someone from Greensleeves. They're looking for you, Groove Armada's looking for you. And I'm like, huh? The people from like the adverts and stuff. And um, he was like, yeah. And I was thinking, and that's what was crazy. We're getting direct phone calls, but I'm with Island Records. Why are you not contacting them? They should be... reached. Do you see what I'm saying? And I found out over the years, so many little things like that were coming through, but it wasn't coming to me. Oh, you want stush on this? It wasn't coming to me. But, um, wow. yeah, so got put in touch with um, Groove Armada through... Um, this guy from Greensleeves, I can't even remember his name, and then went down there, and it's so, it just so happens that the guy that was, I think, a in Groove Armada at the time, he was a big fan of mine, so he was like, yeah, need to get stush on this, we want stush on this track, like, now, kind of thing. And um, went down there, they gave me, like, some, like, a beat CD, and the first track on there was Get Down, and I was like, I like that, I'm doing that one.
0: Didn't even need to listen to anymore. Just
1: that's it. <laughs> I, d- I flipped through the rest of them just for...
0: Just in case. Just in case. Mm. But
1: the first track on there, Get Down, I was like, yeah. And then I was like, okay. And I was listening to it and my manager was like, Ra, you've got that song that can fit on that as well. Like, listen to the vibe of it. And we were like, oh, yeah, that's that's really working. And, um, yeah, I just changed my kind of style of delivery on it and there you are, Bob's your uncle.
0: And when you when you went in to record the track, mm-hmm. did both you and the guys know that it was just a, a smash? Oh. You were like, yeah, this is going to work. Man. I
1: don't know, you know. I don't know. I really don't know if okay. they thought it was a smash. I thought, okay, this is something new. <laughs> I just like that. <laughs> there was a different vibe. Um, but I've always liked quirky stuff, and that was really quirky to me, and the bass line was sick. I was like, yeah, like, who wouldn't like this? This is this is banging. That was
0: it. So that track obviously took off. Yeah. In a in a big way. And and you end up going on a, a massive world tour with Groove Armada. What was that like, man? What was the experience like? Jeez. Traveling the world?
1: Jeez. Like I literally was working two jobs at the time, Jimmy. Yeah. And then I'm in Australia on my first tour. Australia, New Zealand, bang within a week I had to hand in my notice. Do you know what, guys? Love you lot. I love you lot. They were like, you can come back anytime. <laughs> I was like, thank you, love you. But I gotta go Oz next week later. Oh and then wow. that was crazy. That was like twelve flights in two weeks. Literally a flight a day. I was on it was intense. It was intense. And obviously the size of the stage and Like my biggest show at that point, I had done V Festival just as warm ups with with Groove. Um, But that was like, I think, one or two, maybe two festivals, like big festivals at that point. Before that, my biggest show, I would say, was Bagley's um, Garage Nation. There was about.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, and that was my
1: first ever show.
0: Bagley's Film Studios at King's Cross? Yes. Sweatbox,
1: mate. That was my first ever show. And that was probably one of my biggest crowds, if I can remember. I think I'd done Amsterdam a, com- a couple of times, and maybe those shows were about the same size, but those were my biggest shows at that point.
0: So suddenly you were thrust in front of thousands
1: of... 60-odd thousand people. Wow. And um, I was like, yeah, it's your time. TV, I was doing Channel 4, I was doing all kinds of things. But it was like, yeah, this is what I've been working for. This is, this is it.
0: And so in those shows, were you were you just coming on specifically to perform Get Down or were you kind of featuring on other little bits of the show?
1: Um, so, yeah, there's another song on that Soundboy Rock, soundboy rock album that I'm on as well called um, Drop That Thing. And uh, the reason why I'm laughing is because we had a show at Roundhouse on the tour and they went to do um, a sound check, but the bass line was so heavy, a panel dropped out of the ceiling, nearly
0: killed one of them. Oh, jeez
1: and um so they called the song drop that panel now Down a remix i called it drop that panel so yeah so that was um another song that i would do and then when red Rap couldn't be there he had a couple of songs i think within the set i would do another song of his called shakedown but i'd put my own verses into it so i'd have about three songs in the in the show yeah
0: now, from from the outside looking in, yeah, to anyone listening to this, they're mm-hmm. gonna be thinking, Wow, you're on a world tour mm-hmm. playing on stages like that mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the likes of those people. Yeah. I imagine from my own experiences, and I might be wide in the mark here, that there were that, that there might have been some lows in that whole three year period. Yeah. And I'm I'm really interested to hear like what was the experience like from both perspectives. Obviously the highs that you've mentioned a yeah. couple of, but also what was it like in terms of the effect and the impact it had on you?
1: I mean, traveling a lot i mean being away from your family um i literally was just switching suitcases i'll just come in bam drop the suitcase go back and it can be lonely as well because i'm not that kind of party animal and like um a lot of people in the industry they kind of are so they'll be out do like after a show you're doing whatever you're doing i'm just back at the hotel or i'm on the tour bus reading a book or i'm sleeping mate or i'm watching a film so you kind of get you know lonely social media weren't really out then Mm. you know um so in that respect yeah those were some down times i think the end of the tour end of touring was really a big blow because it came so suddenly we thought we was going to do a tour in china and it got cut short and then that was kind of like like the rug was just kind of pulled out from under you and um just going from that high down to that, it's just like, oh, okay. And then you start to, reality starts to kick in as well, because yeah, I had a top 10 song that I'd written, but it was Groove Armada featuring Stush. You're that featured artist. Mm. So it still goes back to me now, trying to have to build my name from scratch. Whether I was on this top 10 song or not, you're not that band. You're that solo artist whose career got stuck in its tracks. So you're now having to still build from the ground back upwards. So there were some really low times and I think I was suffering from I started having seizures when I was on tour. So I was, it was like, oh, what's this? Am I exhausted? Like and I'd have a seizure and be feel really tired. Mm. Tired, tired. And I remember at that time Sway phoned me to do F your X. And I remember I had about four seizures that day and we didn't know what these things were. So I was under investigation on, and I was just in bed, tired. And he was like, sis, I need you to come and record this track. And I was like, Sway, I'm tired, man. He was like, sis, just come. You can even be in your pyjamas. Just come, <laughs> jump on the mic and go. And I literally did that. I didn't turn up in pyjamas, but I went, I'd done it. And I went home and just crashed back out. So those were low times because I was now dealing with this illness and I'm thinking, what is this? Do you know what I mean? What What's going on? So those were some really low times. And yeah, it's like, it's like I fell into a depression at that point. I did, uh, it, things got really low at that point after coming off tour. And yeah, I think for about a year, I just was like, what's going on? Just low, do you know what I mean? even my weight went up and no, no one had seen me. So but to them, they were like, Stush, like you've got really big, but <laughs> I hadn't now that I look back on it, but I had for what weight I used to be, it's like my weight just shut up because I was literally just slumped, <laughs> mm. you know? So that was, yeah, some really low times, man. And just realizing, oh my God, I'm still in this situation on a label that even though I've got a top 10, you're still not trying to help me. What is going on?
0: I think it's so important to talk about this stuff, you know, like the realities of the industry. Mm. Because from the outside looking in, young people, young aspiring artists, they see the glamour, they see the fame, the fortune, you know, Mm -hmm. all the glitz that comes with being a a musician or, Mm. or, you know, someone in the limelight. But these are the realities, exhaustion,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: loneliness, you know, burnouts, mm. you know, all of this kind of stuff. And it, it's real. I mean, <laughs> certainly not on the same kind of scale that you've experienced, Stush. But uh-huh. I remember coming back from Glastonbury, mm. the first time I ever performed at the festival. And it was the first time I'd ever been there. And Glastonbury is a different world, isn't it? You know, I mean, you've played yeah. the, one of the main stages. yeah. But, you know, the impact that that experience can have on you and then coming back to your reality of day-to-day life, it's mm-hmm. it's like a big fall. It's like yeah. a big drop. Yeah. So I, I think I kind of get where you're coming from. Um, and also just just this this idea and this need to kind of really be aware of these pitfalls, isn't it, before yeah. you could get into a career in this yes. game? Yes,
1: yeah. It's a lot on your mental health. Um, it's uh, I think now with social media, it's like I was saying to some of my friends, like, when you put out a tune back in the day, if people weren't feeling it, they weren't feeling it. They just won't play a tune. You didn't have to go on YouTube and have a barrage of abuse, <laughs> yeah? Nah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Having to read comment after comment about, not even about the song, about what you look like. Why did she wear that? Why is her hair like that? And I'm like, was the song good though? Did you like the <laughs> song? What has what I look like got to do with it? So I think, yeah, it was, Tough back then, but I don't, I think it's even worse now when you're dealing with stuff like that. Like you don't like my song, just don't play it, but you don't have to abuse me online as well. Do you know what I mean? So that brings in a next dimension of being, feeling low when you're having to actually sit there and read comments Mm. that are just from people who are probably miserable, not even telling the truth, but they just want to take out whatever frustration they've got on you and think it's okay because you're an artist. Some people that think that, you know, that's what they're there for. They're a public figure, they're there for abuse. That's what some people actually believe in their brain. Like they you was put there in the world for you to You'll abuse leave. them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's weird. It's weird. What? I'm serious? You know what? We don't business about that though. No. You know why?
0: would you say to your young Brit school self if you could travel back in time and sort of give any advice you know if we're we're talking about these kind of things?
1: I'd say don't be afraid to speak up there were so many things in my head that I wanted to say and I didn't want to upset people but it was the it was things that needed to be said don't go through the pain or feel like you have to sit there and take any rubbish from anyone like speak up if it's not working for you it's not working for you like you can move on to a next situation because some people feel like no but this is my one chance if I don't take this then I'm never going to be able to do whatever again especially now more than ever you've got the internet you can do whatever you like you can make a mistake, you can do whatever, get rid of your Facebook, set up a new one, under a different, do you know what I mean? You can do whatever you wanna do. So I would say to my myself, just speak up. Don't don't be afraid to not be liked. Cause a lot of us we want we want we're humans. You want to be liked, you want to be loved, and you don't wanna say what needs to be said in fear of not having that, you know. But it's okay. Like, when that person, when you're keeping your mouth shut to please someone, they're happy and you're sad. Someone has to be sad at one point. So it's better that you take care of yourself and your own mental health and your own well-being than putting someone
0: before yours. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I would say that. Such (laughs) solid advice. Absolutely. And what it makes me think about is the, the, the idea that, the biggest human fear is not being enough. Yeah. So not being good enough, not yeah. being good looking enough, not yeah. being smart enough. And and what you were saying there, not being liked enough. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. having, and, and that fear can really cripple you, can't it? Yeah. In lots of different situations. You
1: can doubt yourself. Even at this age, sometimes I turn around and I go, am I even good though? Wow. I still mm. question myself to this day. Like, are you even... Are you even that good? There's some days I wake up and I'm like, yeah, man, I am the ting. (laughs) Did you hear that lyric that i have done? And for me, it's like, there's a lot of my stuff where, like, I still get judged on dollar sign, which was like 20 years ago, nearly. At that point, I was fresh out of of, um, Brit school, probably... This, this was the best um, I'd ever structured a song, but I hear all the faults in it. And the stuff that I'm producing now is next level, but a lot of people haven't either heard it because it's not out yet or that nostalgia. There's certain people who, no matter what you put out, like I put out a new song the other day, as you know. And on that day, someone decided to dig up footage from a show I'd done in 2003 of Dollar Sign and put it out and tag me all over it. And I thought, bruv, I just put out a new song. Like, they've put my picture on the front of the Spotify playlist. I'm on um, New Music Friday and you're bringing up a song from 20 years ago where I look like a twig and you thought, <laughs> I'm going to put this up. Why? Do you know what I mean? So that, that frustration sometimes where I'm like, bruv, like, why? Like, have you heard this doll? This bar that I th- have you heard, like, the wordplay? But they'll always go back to, dollar sign like don't take dollar sign and be like who's the best lyricist let's compare stush and nas what did you think <laughs> how are you going to compare dollar sign to do you know what i mean like illmatic like let's compare like compare my new stuff in it listen to that
0: <laughs> oh stush you're kidding me but listen, right? i'm gonna set the record straight now because you just said that sometimes you wake up and you think am i really good though as far as I'm concerned, Stush, you're an outstanding MC. Yeah, uh, and I, and I, I mean that from the you, heart, man. man. From one artist to another. And I'm, I'm interested to know, what, what do you consider as an outstanding MC? Like, mm. What do you look for? Components and elements that you really that, that love and that, you know, that, that make a high-quality, high-grade quality, high artist? So for me, like because of my background in performance, I always
1: look for stage presence and that, that performance and using the stage. Like Before I start talking about like the technical aspects of like actually barring m- performance, I, m- my pet peeve is when someone goes on stage and they look down at the ground for the whole performance, but they're the baddest man in the world. Like, yeah, 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 do this, I do that. And then, but bruv, I don't believe you. You're not conveying that in your body language. Do you know what I mean? there's no confidence there. Like, put some conviction behind what you're saying. Like, I'm not convinced, you know what I mean? So I think stage performance is key. Everyone's got their own performance style, but have that presence when you're on, like they say, say it with your chest. Like, we've come to watch you, and that's what I I tell students as well. When you feel nervous, think about it in in a situation. If I buy a ticket and I spend £125 and I'm coming to see you, I don't want to see someone standing on stage that's all introverted and scared like they came to see you have that in your in your head what they pay to see me yeah i'm i'm the guy i'm the girl yeah <laughs> Have that you're allowed to. It's, you're an artist. We're allowed to have artist ego. Do you know what I mean? Think about Kanye and that. So, <laughs> I really look for how you you interact with the crowd. I, I look for how comfortable you are. I always say on stage, that's like my second home. I've I've tripped over microphone wires, and it's not phased me because I'm not scared to look stupid or or laugh at myself. So I'm so comfortable you'd see me trip and you probably wouldn't even laugh in the audience because I'm not embarrassed by it. It's like, oh, did you see the, the microphone? Ah, laugh at myself, <laughs> it's done. So that comfortability where it's just like, yeah, it's just natural. You're just having fun with it. And then when it comes to the technical aspects, like I love the kind of intricate flows. I do I do love that. I love um, clarity. I want to be able to understand, Like I love Buster Rhymes because the way he enunci- enunciates, like he gets every single word out and- and you're like, yeah, I could oh, just feel it and that passion. Like, believe what you're saying, put that passion into your music. Why should I listen to you if you're not even feeling yourself? Like, you have to have some kind of no one's saying don't be humble. Like, when you come off stage, go back to being your humble self. But when you're an mm. artist, people expect that kind of bravado, that kind of energy from you, that passion. Like, yeah, you know? So um, I look out for those kind of things, like, and and wit and cleverness in your lyrics. Did you hear how you he put that together? I want to hear that again. Shut up! You said that. <laughs> like, did you? Ah, oh, come on, man. I love those ones. Like, right? Did you get that? Because I love. i I write. I do crossword puzzles every day. So picking out little things and I, that's how I train my, my brain as well and come up with my vocabulary. So I'm always like trying to find new words and did you hear how many syllables he rhymed with? Are you mad? Like I love all of that kind of stuff. So that's the kind of things that I do look out for your clarity, your delivery. Um, what are you saying? Are you talking something of substance? Not everything has to be um, a party tune. Um, or a deep tune, but mix it up a bit. If you know that you always talk about one thing, try another way. Try and write in it from a different perspective. You don't always have to talk about the same thing over and over again. Keep it fresh. So I like, yeah, like, yeah. variety. Yeah. For them about them, they get likes. This not look good, man, i cause go swipe right. They said, what kind of don't want for wife that? They you go to school, them call them mom slack. we big up on the girl that now fall on the hype. The world never see your coochie pants. Right. If you post up your poom pooms, we get attention. Chat about to you all going to take a girl, man. Spread all your business for make a few fun.
0: Yeah, I can totally see why you love Buster Rhymes. Totally see, because I feel like you're an artist and an MC that fits into that category. Larger yeah. than life, <laughs> delivery, <laughs> just the energy you bring, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, I totally see that. All right, we're going we're gonna to sort of wrap up the, the interview here. I'm really interested to know Stush. What do you think of the UK scene currently? Do you think it's in a really healthy place? And who are the people that you admire that you think are doing something really great? I do I do love the
1: um, scene at the moment. It's like like I was saying, you don't have to leave and go to America now to try and blow or whatever. They're coming here. Like We're, we're finally being recognised and respected for what we do in the UK. Um, I have to admit, I love j Huss. I just, I love the humour. I love, I just... I think he's amazing, Dave as well. Um, on the female side, I like Miss um, Banks. Miss Banks is coming through and doing stuff. And it's refreshing to see that there's more than one female that is being allowed through now. And there's so mm. many who are, you know, you've got people like Shabo, she's got a lot of um, presence. her deliveries, fire as well. So you've got quite a few people in the scene coming through and I'm just like, yeah, this is really healthy now, man. This is good.
0: Do you feel like the females are being represented now in a, in a good way?
1: They are being represented in a good way. Um, I would like to see them mix up their, um, their content a bit more. Mm. Um, but on the whole, you've got some quality female artists coming through. It's really good. It's good to see.
0: And lastly, what is next for Stush? What should people be looking out for? Where can they find you?
1: Next for me. So I just dropped me in a deal with that. That's doing really well. Thank you for the support. I've got a little treat that I want to put out about Christmas time. Um, it's a 2.0 of one of my tracks and I've got two amazing female MCs collaborating with me on that. So that's, we've just shot a nice video for that. So I'm waiting to drop that as well. And then I've got a project with all of my old stuff. I'm working on getting that all together. Um, songs that may have come out years ago that people weren't able to get. Um, and stuff that was unreleased, all of my, also like a, like a Lost Tapes project. I wanna get all of that together. And then I've got, after I drop that, I've got fresh project, fresh new stuff. Just want to drop that. So that's what I'm currently working on. And um, yeah, you can catch me on the socials. Stush underscore UK. That's Stush with a U. Um, also, my jewellery line, stushleries, That's stushlery.com. That's what I do as well. And um, yeah, you can catch me on that. And I'm on YouTube, Stush, Facebook, Stush, Twitter. Stush UK.
0: I I've got to get this in, Stush, right? Mm. I know I said that was the last question before yeah. we finish, but you've just reminded me... <laughs> Your jewellery line, am yeah. I right in thinking that you were helped to get that off the ground by the Prince's Trust? Yeah. And the Prince of Wales himself and the <laughs> Duchess of Cornwall liked one of your pieces so much that they, they bought They bought yeah. it. Wow.
1: Yeah, it made, a, it made a few people jealous.
0: <laughs> Multi-talented, royal exciting. connections.
1: Yes. Come on. They are my customers, yeah. <laughs> um, she bought one of my bracelets that, um, yeah, like I was shocked. They're like, come on. And it was so funny because I was kind of shocked. She was like, no, tell me the price. I was like, no, just have it. She was like, no, tell me the price. I was like, it's okay. And she was like, she made her assistant come over. Whatever she says the price is, (laughs) give her the money. And then I gave some rubbish price and undercut myself. And I was like,
0: what's wrong with you?
1: My dad was like, it's what happened to you? It's what happened to you?
0: (laughs) You're chopping? You gave him the wholesale price. Oh, my gosh.
1: Can you believe?
0: Oh. Stush, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so Thank much for coming you. on. Thank it's been you for
1: having me. Such an
0: insightful interview and you've, you've offered so much. Just, yeah, massive, massive respect to you.
1: Bless you. Bless you tapes because I've been giving your government name all the way through this. <laughs> so, yeah, no, bless, man. Thank you for having me.